things theology, all things theology. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta give doxology to God hollow because this is how we do it at all things theology. Well, grace and peace, grace and peace. Welcome back to an episode of All Things Theology where I'm your host, K Dub, and today we're going to talk about deconstruction and the problems that it leads to. But before we do that, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel if you're not. As always, hit that notification bell so you can be aware when I drop content. So, I want to talk about deconstruction and where, logically, it leads. Today, I'm going to be evaluating a deconstruction story from someone who calls herself a former Christian. Uh, We'll get into that, you know, language (laughs) as well. What it means to be a former Christian, i.e. apostate, right? What the Bible calls it. And we'll, we'll talk about, you know, because there have been a lot of people who claim to be Christians and they say they, hey, still believe in Jesus, but they've been promoting deconstruction. We'll talk about what that means, but let's just get right into it and discuss this video. The way that my deconstruction first started. So this uh, young lady, uh, <laughs> She uh, has a channel called, uh, I believe it's called Ex-Fundy Diaries. And really the channel is to talk about how bad her religious experience was, how she wants nothing to do with Christianity and and fundamentalism. Um, I, I find it funny that, you know, and I made, I made this post this uh, not too long ago. I said, ex-evangelicals be like, I'm done with Christianity. And then ex-evangelicals also spend the rest of their life talking about Christianity. Yeah, I think that's one funny or ironic thing. It, it really shows the nature of how religious people are. Now, religious, religion or religion has been turned into this bad term. Not necessarily a bad term. Um, there's and, and, and really what it means to be religious is to you hold set of principles, morals, values, uh, ethic, Everybody's religious in that sense. Um, you know, everybody worships. So all that, I believe, goes into the concept of what it means to um, be religious. Travis, what is going on? Got a brother watching? Hey, enjoy. I hope they enjoy. <laughs> no, you're right on time. We're just getting into the start of this video and talking about what it means to be religious. <laughs> And uh, I believe that entails everybody. So um, let, let me say this, because what, one thing I'm not trying to do, because I would hope for a conversation with this young lady. Um, maybe we could have a conversation over some of our, uh, our rule views and things. I think though she's abandoned Christianity, I think there are some questions that I I would hope she would have answers for, you know, despite leaving things like morals, ethics, values, things like that. Epistemology, worldview, uh, you know, some things we can get into and talk about if she would be willing. I tagged her in here, so hopefully, maybe she'll pop in. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I would be curious on that. But I also am not trying to discredit uh, abuse that she may have went went through. Uh, she talks about being abused by her father. Um, there wasn't specifics in this video. So, uh, I, I'm not denying that religious people or people who name the name of Christ don't do evil things. But the issue is not the Bible or Christianity is that person. And so I, I do want to make that clarification. Um, yeah. 
she, uh, Randolph says, I would like to know what they used to believe about Christ before their deconstruction. A lot of times they'd be off from the jump. Well, we're going to see the progression because she's going to kind of give you a progression of where she goes, of the ultimate train of apostasy, you know, essentially. Grace and peace, my brother, proverbial your life. Make sure y'all subscribe to him as well. And so we'll discuss where deconstruction leads to. One thing I appreciate about her video, I know I'm talking a lot, but I appreciate her honesty. And her consistency, even to some extent, I think is actually something to be, okay, wow. Yeah, I mean, I can see why you gave up Christianity, given that's what you're believing now. And so kudos to this lady. So let's get into it. Was after I got married to my husband. I got married really young. And that also had to do with both our worldview and the abuse that was going on at home. I well... <clears throat> I, so I, I played this in front of my wife, and one of the things I was saying right here is like, uh, there's a lot of people in life got married young, and I actually think that's a good thing, you know. Uh, I, I, I'll say this. Most people I know who got married young mature fa way faster. I mean, that's that's not a question. But anyways, I, you know, okay, maybe she felt like she was forced to get married. Uh, okay, well. I would kind of feel bad if, if the, my wife said that about me, like, well, you really didn't want to marry me? <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go. I was married as a 21-year-old, and when I was 23, I started reading blogs. You know, at the time, I didn't really have a word for these bloggers, but, you know, they fit into the progressive Christian category. And so Okay, so let, let's make sure we have our story correct. So... She for uh, really has been cuddled by her family a lot, uh, protected by that family structure. And then she gets married, and for the first time, she really starts to think on her own. She's young, right? Uh, my, mine's still developing at this point in time. Um, and then she's kind of introduced, we don't know how, uh, but she's introduced to uh, progressive Christian blogs, right? And probably for the first time ever, she's being challenged on her Christian beliefs. See, this is why I don't think it's a, a this is why I, um, I think it's good to um, challenge people, uh, you know, on Christian beliefs uh, to expose them to, to things that maybe they're uncomfortable with so they can be ready to provide an answer for. Right. And uh, so not just sheltering people um, from a lot of the heresy or bad stuff because you know what they may hear it from someone else and we want to we would rather them hear it in a christian circle christian framework uh rather than unbelieving non-believing right uh <laughs> hands so so yeah so i was starting to learn all these different ways of approaching christianity that i had never heard of before they were talking about gender roles you know, about women being able to lead in church and about mutual submission in a marriage between a man and a woman instead of the man uh, being the, um, the authority and the woman having to obey and submit to her husband. Kind of like Ephesians 5. Um, I mean, Ephesians 5 also speaks of mutual submission, but there's also a headship that is clearly talked about throughout the Bible. Um, so... Ultimately, what she got exposed to kind of first from progressive Christianity was egalitarian as opposed to complementarian views that 
that there is no headship, there is no order when it comes to the creative order that, you know, the Bible talks about being established from creation. Um, you know, she didn't get any, see, this is what, <laughs> uh, I, I remember what someone said, Hey, you have to be, you have to go to college to learn liberalism because it's not explicitly taught in the Bible. Someone has to t train you and, and educate you in heresy because you would never get there on your own. Just reading what the Bible says, right? Would you come to that conclusion that there's no creative order? Uh, there's no order in, uh, uh, or difference in gender roles no you wouldn't come to that conclusion reading the bible right you have to pay uh fifty sixty thousand dollars a year to someone to teach you that um but yeah so but you see the progression okay one of the first things that was her view of males uh or more so uh gender roles as she stated okay let's keep going and you know my daughter who is seven now but she was one at the time I was starting to think well maybe I don't actually have to homeschool her up until that point I was fully planning to homeschool her not because I wanted to but because that's what I was taught was the only thing that was okay for a Christian well let me say this I'm sensitive to Christians who uh you know maybe they can't afford uh, you know, to be maybe single parents, things like that. So I, I am sensitive to this subject. So hear my heart and I know there's nuance, but generally speaking, I don't think it's a good idea to send your children to the state to get brainwashed by the state into all kinds of gender confusion, uh, all sorts of ideological confusion, right? As Vody Bakum said, you send your children to Caesar and you're surprised when they come home acting like Romans. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Um, so interesting, very interesting. So that was really freeing. And then that made me think, well, maybe I could get a job and maybe I could go back to school and get a degree. Maybe that's okay for me, even though I'm female and well, I, I would, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a complimentarian and I know many complimentarians and I, I would probably bet there are very few who say that women can't even have a degree or work in any kind of capacity. I mean, I know many women who are complementarians themselves and they they work and they have a degree. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I do not know the family structure she was raised in. And maybe they said, hey, women can't work at all. I mean, you read Proverbs 31, the woman is working outside the home as well as raising her kids. And guess what? She's submitting to her husband. So I don't hold to the view that women can't work at all or can't have a degree at all. Now, if you say that means pastor, then yes, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm obviously going to disagree with that, uh, women pastor. What's going on, John? Hope you're doing well, my bro. God bless you. Yeah, who says she can't do this as a Christian woman? I have no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man, I... Like I said, I understand I'm sensitive to to those who cannot homeschool, but, you know, perfect world. Everybody should. Right. So I understand. Yeah. Yeah. She can do those things as a wife, as a husband. Prince. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, no, no issue there yet. You know, from there, I was researching a lot about LGBTQ plus issues. You know, I would have called it homosexuality and the Bible. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought that was funny, but, but notice the progression. She abandons historic Christian biblical roles of 
man and woman. Then she just abandons. So it's no surprise to see her abandon um, gender roles for how men and women function in society and relationally. So, so this is why I tell people who a women pastor isn't a big, big thing. Yes, it has a um, an end game that yeah, you know, or uh, you know the once you abandon God's role for how they're to function in the highest order in His church, then the society is given over as well. You, I mean, men and women should abandon those roles as well. So, bad theology always produces bad living. Don't think the issue of women pastors isn't connected to this issue that she's speaking up next. And so she abandoned, right, uh, man, woman in the home. And then, yeah, okay, she started researching <laughs> homosexuality, LGBT stuff. And, and notice where it leads her. And, and Randolph, you're spot on. All her research is outside the Bible. That, that's a very excellent point. Notice she's not going back to God's word to say, maybe I misunderstood something and no, all her conclusions are outside of scripture. All her research or studying is done outside the Bible and just more so focus on these bloggers who are telling her what to believe. And she's sucked into it because I'll let you draw the conclusion there. So then I started learning, you know, terms like gay affirming. And I started realizing like, oh, maybe I can be a Christian and not have to love the sin or hate the sin. Maybe maybe being gay is not a sin at all. See, notice you, you're not coming to the Bible to come to that position. I mean, I would love, like, say, if you wanted to have a uh, conversation, um, I would love to dialogue about this specific issue. Um, so, because <laughs> there's no way, like I said, there's no way you can read the Bible and say, you know what? I guess homosexuality isn't a sin. Could you imagine someone reading the Bible say, or, you know, saying they came to did all this research and they say, hey, I guess stealing isn't a sin. <laughs> Who knew? All these years, you know, I'll grow up and, but, you know, I did my own independent research outside the Bible. And wow, lo and behold. No, you would never come up with that. Never. Just like this shows that you're. So, so what I'm showing is a, is a trend in a direction. Um, yeah, what's up with the air quote, misuse of air quotes, homosexual. I mean, that's what it's called. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can, you can also call it what the Bible calls uh man lying with women, you know, or, or men lying with men in a way. Anyways. Um, yeah, so I, I'm showing this direction or progression, uh, where deconstruction leads you. All these people going around and say, you know, I'm, de I'm deconstructing my Christianity. Ask yourself, does it lead to a firmer grasp, firmer conviction, firmer confidence in the word of God? Or does it lead you totally away from God? That's the question I'm asking. And you know how we do it here. I want you to think about it. Think about it. And um, and then from one of these bloggers, you know, I I discovered the term white privilege for the first time. And. So then I started learning about systemic racism in America and white supremacy and how much white supremacy is in evangelical Christianity. And I so, you know, she she abandoned biblical gender roles, then led her to LGBT stuff. Then she got woke, learned white privilege, uh, white supremacy, all this stuff. Right. 
<laughs> to me, that's just kind of like, okay, so you got woke. Well, you know, But you know what? I hope as a white person, you will listen to this black person's perspective then. So white privilege, right? <laughs> See, uh, I, I would be curious on what how she would actually respond to that. But, but again, you know, I started learning gender affirming and white privilege and all this stuff that yeah, the Bible doesn't really have notes to say about <laughs> gender, uh, gay affirming, you know, and and all this woke stuff. So interesting. Started, um, kind of looking at my upbringing and recognizing all of the racism. This was all happening. You know, see, this is what uh, wokeness, yeah, the social justice Jesus tells you, right? Like blinded okay. to the actual. Um, within... oh, hold on, you you went all your life blinded. Um, to racism of your apparently your parents, but then someone told you how racist your parents were, and you're like, yeah, I guess I saw, I can see how racist they are, right? Uh, just very interesting. Yes, how about we don't let lies inform us? Hey, spot on, Lindsay. A span of you know maybe six months or so, and I would say this was kind of more almost like values deconstruction. Obviously there was a lot of theology woven in there, but in October of that year. So in six, oh, sorry, I do want to respond. In six months, it, you know, she went from, uh, <laughs> oh, Jay, you say it sounds like a political ad. Yeah. <laughs> Are you struggling with your faith? Are, do you have white privilege? Call me now at wokejesus.com. You know, something like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something of that nature probably would be the commercial, you know, they they need to pay me for that, by the way. But uh, so in six months, she went from, you know, abandoning gender roles, gay affirming to super woke. And now her whole family is racist. You you see, you see the consequences of a bad theology. Uh, you know what I mean? You see the consequence of bad theology. It's uh, it, it affects how you live. Now her whole family is viewed as racist. Because of this newfound view. I had my first real faith crisis. Like the kind where... Her first real faith crisis. Sounds like you had that six months ago when you started doing uh, LGBT affirming and abandoning gender or biblical roles of male husband. Or, yeah, husband and wife. But I guess she doesn't call that a faith crisis. This is the first faith crisis. All right, let's hear about it. I was like, holy shit. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Forgot to warn you guys. My bad. That's my apologies. Uh, let me let me skim past this part. Sorry, you already heard it, so I, I do apologize. Uh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, the feeling of it. My family had just gone to family court. Um to get my mom and my youngest sibling a restraining order um, to protect them from my dad. And um, thankfully they were granted that. And the last time I saw my dad was that day. I haven't seen him since then. And so that was in September. And in October of that year was when I had that first faith crisis. And so I definitely feel like the timing of that 
is really understandable because my father represented God the Father to me. So when he was... So <laughs> we see this kind of problematic view too of how she viewed her father growing up and she viewed her father as God the Father, which, no, your your father is not God the Father. He... No, he is not. Um, yeah, that the, kind of be weird you viewing God the Father now as a racist, but you know that's a whole other uh, interesting point. Um, and so, this shows kind of an idolatry of her family structure, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know what her father did. I, I don't think it's really relevant to to seeing the breakdown of her abandonment of the Bible. Um, but it just shows problematic foundations even before all this stuff, um, you know, her problematic deconstruction and, and wokeness started coming in, infiltrating her ideology. This, this, like I said, a bad foundation even from the start. There is no human representative of God on earth. <laughs> Not even fathers, because guess what? They fall short. Out of the picture for the first time, I guess my psyche was finally able to start really questioning. What was at the root of this first faith crisis was I was finally allowing myself to really ask the question that I had been truly struggling with my entire life, which is hell. You know, if- All right, so her first faith crisis was, although I would argue her faith crisis came long before that, uh, and then I use the word faith very loosely in this conversation for the sake of argument. We'll get there later. But her first faith crisis was the issue of hell. And you guys know we dealt with that last night dealing with Carson Pearson um, and his view of hell. Um, What was so uh, which was, what was such a crisis as if the Bible is unclear about hell? Like I said, it seemed as if you started listening to progressives. Um, yeah, maybe she has daddy issues as well. I don't know. I'm not going to go there, but you started listening to progressive, believing more of what they said over and against what the Bible says. That seems to be the issue. By the way, if you're watching this video, make sure to give it a like. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to the channel. So yes, God is love. And they always said that he was, why does he send people to hell so this is a conundrum so to speak and i put that in quotes because it's not really a conundrum right the issue of well if god is love he can never display his wrath you know this this is why the doctrine of the divine simplicity is actually very important because many people have done simply this this as well well i don't believe in a god who will pour his wrath on sinners for all eternity. I don't believe in a God who will get angry at sin. Well, it's because you have an unbiblical view of God and you've elevated the love of God over all the other attributes of God. Right? That is unbiblical. Right? We serve a God who is also holy, just, uh, who, who, uh, who displays his wrath. So what is actually problematic about hell well, when you look at it from a biblical worldview and you understand who God is, there's n nothing completely wrong. 
Nothing wrong with God punishing sinners for sin that they've committed. So, very odd view. Very odd view. Essentially, it says God cannot punish sinners, which is actually an unjust view. <laughs> I would be I don't believe in an unjust God. She believes in a love-only God. And, and by love, you have to redefine love. Because even, think about it, even from a parental standpoint, like with, if you, if any one of you have kids, you just, dis, you display acts of wrath, discipline, but it, you, you wouldn't say that's not love. So, so punishment can be involved in this act of love, um, or, or, or from a person who is described as loving, that's actually a better, better phrase. Um, grace and peace echoes. Good to see you here, man. Good to see you here. So again, the denial of hell is not a violation of God's character and attributes. I mean, she doesn't, and by the way, she's not going to try to even demonstrate why. Um, so it's just supposed to be like, oh yeah, of course that doesn't make sense, but there's no explanation of why. And, you know, that started to feel really abusive to me. And I started to see a lot of parallels to the way that I was abused growing up. So after... Well, here's how, here's the difference. Because I'm, I'm a, maybe this is some insight of her father. And notice how she's comparing. She's trying to see similarities between her father and the God of the Bible, who she believes represented, <laughs> was representative and her father, which is not biblical. Um, but here's the difference. Your father is a sinner. And I'm sure, giving from your own testimony or some kind of insight here, he displayed ungodly characteristics when he disciplined you or abused you. God does, God does not abuse people. Everything he gives unto sinners um, is right and just. So again, <laughs> all things apostasy. <laughs> yes, yeah, sadly. Three super intense months of a lot of crying and panic attacks and searching scripture and praying desperately for some some kind of answer that would give me peace. At the end of that year, in December, I ended up rejecting the doctrine of hell. I just decided that there had to be something more. So after studying this intensely, she says for three months, I mean, that's remember, that's after affirming LGBT, abandoning uh, gender roles, uh, white, uh, all this uh, woke stuff. Right. She now turns to hell and says, I don't like this. I'm going to study it for three months. You see the problem there? She already doesn't like it. So you're going to study this already with a bias. And, and I would be curious to what your study uh, actually communicated or involved. What was your studying about? Hopefully it was the Bible. And so what she say? I just didn't like this. Well, I didn't know we come to theology based on our personal preferences and things we like. Um, that's not how you do things. I mean, if it was about what we liked, I would probably be prosperity gospel, you know, because it does sound kind of nice that you just serve this, you know, you, you, you give attention to this God and he'll give you everything you want and everything you desire. Yeah, that's that's natural to man's, uh, you know, desires. 
but that's not a biblical thought. So therefore I reject it. And I died in myself when I see myself, uh, you know, falling into those desires. But we don't come to conclusions. We don't come to theology based on things we like. There's another problem. There is another problem when studying theology. Let, matter of fact, let me give you this as a moniker or a rule. When you study theology, um, it's not about what you like. <laughs> it's about what God has said. Remember, it's theology and not, you know, uology. <laughs> to Christianity and to following Jesus. And that was so liberating and so freeing. And I just... It was so liberating by going to the things you like. I mean, as opposed to what God has said. There's no liberty in that, truly. It's deceptive. At best, um, Antichrist at worst. I truly thought at the time that that would stop my deconstruction. I thought that... I want you guys to listen to this. All, all the deconstructionist proponents who, if you know, you watch this video, notice... There is no stopping because she, she thought, okay, once I get rid of hell, finally, <sighs> and it's not like, and let's be honest, it's not like her denying hell stops hell from existing or God sending sinners there. So let's get that, let's get that right. But notice how she's uh, not content with even rejecting hell. So all you deconstructing Christians who are like, well, I'm just getting rid of the, the toxic stuff, but. Deconstruct, deconstruction is a, a non-Christian worldview. Deconstruction uh, is a postmodern worldview. Just look it up with the creators of it. It's, it's, it's a subjective worldview. Um, so those who are trying to say, no, I'm not abandoning uh, central tenets of the faith. I think this is a good case study on where deconstruction leads you. Notice she's not content with LGBT stuff and denying hell and denying uh, complementarian views of uh, gender roles of man and woman with, you know, men having, you know, the authority, wives submitting. She's not she's not content with getting rid of all that. Notice notice where she has to lead or notice where this will lead. I was finally where I was supposed to be. I thought, yes, OK, I'm a true progressive Christian now. And I'm kind of a Christian universalist, too, because... Kind of a Christian universalist. <laughs> Progressive Christian and Christian universalist. Uh, two things that you're not going to find in the Bible. And I'm not just talking about terms, uh, but concepts. Uh, you, you know, you have to do what Martian does. You, you get rid of all this Bible that is clear. You only By the end, end of it, you only have five things God maybe have said. And then you get to determine the rest about who God is, so... That hell, you know, that's not love. And but notice she didn't come from, you know, just responding just what she said. Hell is not love. Well, well, yeah, it's wrath. It's God pouring out his wrath on a particular people. But again, you have a view of Jesus that is unbiblical, where the greatest attribute of, of God is love, which I do not believe. I don't believe the Bible teaches that God is love. But you know what God is as well? He's holy. But notice that doesn't come into your persuasion or conclusion on these things. Um, and the Bible nowhere teaches that everyone goes to heaven. I mean, the Bible says there'll be people in hell with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did you 
study that verse? I'm just curious. I can just follow Jesus, but also love other people. And but notice what it is. So I can just love Jesus. Um, and this Jesus that I've made up, this Jesus that I, I cut and paste, uh, this Jesus that I've, uh, you know, edited out from the Bible and I can just love them and notice it where it says without having to evangelize them. <laughs> so, uh, True love, I guess, is not telling them the truth. It's just accepting people for who they are and not requiring any change, not not telling them where they're headed. Sounds pretty hateful to me. Fight for social justice and that I could have my faith and these new values. For the next three years, I tried so hard to hold on to my faith. But I just kept having more and more questions. And I started pulling more layers back of how deep. Yeah, once you start with, did God say on one thing? I mean, the logical question is to ask that question on everything. And so <laughs> you can't ask, did God say you know, this about hell, like ultimately question God's, uh, the view of biblical view of hell. And then only, you know, and say, well, I want the other stuff. You have to be consistent and say, well, did God say anything? You know, you have to, you have to be like Satan on everything. Did God say? The spiritual trauma went for me. Um, I have one of my journals here and I was gonna read um, a little bit of an entry. Um, it was in April of 2017. Am I still a Christian? Do I believe in any of it anymore? I've been asking those questions a lot lately. Today I realized that in the story of original sin in Genesis, knowledge is what brought suffering to the earth. Um, no, it was sin. <laughs> Uh, it was sin that brought suffering to the earth. And yeah, let me address the comment. Uh, by the way, KW, you should really cover Andrew Tate. I think it's important. Hey, send me a video. Awesome live so far. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But yeah, let's continue with it. So she, she, she wrote in it, wrote in her diary in 2017. Hey, am I really a Christian? Yeah, you, you abandon everything Christ said. And I think that's a legitimate question to ask. This is what I ask people, you know, who deny pretty much everything Jesus taught. Um, well, you know, so, you know, I, I've been encountered with people who, you know, you ask them about their view of hell. They're like, oh, I don't believe that, you know, homosexuality. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't believe what Jesus says. How do you know more than your all knowing Lord and Savior you claim? Right. Um, Jesus, we claim is. Bible claims, right? We, we believe, we, we profess Jesus is perfect, that he's omniscient. He knows all things. So how do you claim to know something that he doesn't? And, and two, apparently Jesus was wrong on something. See, these are real problematic views, actually, when you press these people. And it's like, look, stop, stop claiming to be a Christian. And we'll, 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 we'll get there. We'll get there. How messed up is that? I worry that I'll just keep deconstructing until there's nothing left. There's <laughs> well, 
blow and behold, you you spoke better than you knew then. So let, let's let's hear where this goes. Still Jesus, though. I always come back to Jesus. So she says, I still love Jesus. I always come back to Jesus. Now, notice this Jesus that she's come back to, quote on this. See, that's appropriate air quote. <laughs> this Jesus that she's come back to is a Jesus that's unrecognizable uh, from Scripture. So the question I ask, which Jesus? Well, the progressive liberal Jesus um, that is not found in the Bible. You know, That is what ended up happening. I did keep deconstructing until there was nothing left. Surprise! <laughs> oh, shocker, right? None of us are shocked, right? Uh, you know, we, we, we knew this was happening. Anyone who has eyes to see can see. Look, when you start deconstructing everything, I mean, hey, it's no surprise when you look around the and you're standing on a just the lot, right? <laughs> you're standing. You you brought a bulldozer into the house. And oh, sorry, we- you brought a bulldozer bulldozer in the into the house, and it's destroyed everything. And yeah, you have nothing left. You even destroyed the foundation. <laughs> as I wanted so desperately to always come back to Jesus I just couldn't I had to eventually admit to myself that I wasn't a Christian anymore yeah yeah and I am thankful that you recognize that because truth lo and behold you were never a Christian but truth too you were um Adopting things that were antithetical to the Christian faith. And so, yeah, why would anybody think you're Christian? But, um, yeah, you've deconstructed everything about Christ. Except his name, I guess. But even that, you know. I described it to a friend one time as the line is dead. You know, I didn't feel anything from God any This is actually the problem with modern evangelifish, right? Modern uh Christians, a big era in the charismatic movement. We've so emphasized our feelings. You know, this doesn't make me feel near to God. I I don't I don't feel the presence of God. I don't I don't I don't feel God moving. We so emphasize that kind of language uh of Christianity to where you know, she was wrestling and, you know, she was like, well, I just don't feel God. Well, I guess he's not there. Now I'm an unbeliever. See, there's there's a danger when you teach people that it's about their feelings and about their emotions. No, battle those emotions. Your emotions aren't facts. As a popular unbeliever says, feelings are not our facts. <laughs> They're not. They're not. Our experiences don't dictate truth more in my heart in my spirit it was just like nothing there was nothing there it's kind of hard to describe when you have this spiritual construct that you've never been apart from that you've always had since you were born And this way of interacting with 
something that feels so real and then it's just gone. There's nothing you can do to make it come back. Jesus was such a friend to me. God was less of a friend. He was more like someone I felt like, you know, God the Father was always there, um, disappointed in me, looking down on me, and... Well, see, this shows, even in her Christian theology, she had issues that if, if Jesus is, because the Son and the Father are unified... If the son is pleased with us, if the father or the if is the son a friend of us, then the father is pleased and a friend as well. Yeah, and Lindsay, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus is God as well. So yeah, that kind of shows maybe some Christological issues she has as well. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But again, you see a lot of the breakdown and the theological issues was as bad as well. This is why I tell people, look, you know, oftentimes people say, look, why do you address false teachers? Because people abandon the faith because of false teachers. Now, obviously, each man will stand before God on their own and you won't be able to blame anybody. But there are means to why they fall away. Right. And so I address false teachers often, often and false teachings. Because. When people adopt false teaching, they are living in a a dangerous state. They are living in a dangerous state. Right? And so, it's not, not good to entertain and adopt heretical views. Because guess what? They lead to things like deconstruction. They lead to people abandoning their faith because they, they can't understand this in light of that. Etc, etc. Um... I could never live up to his standards. Well, yeah, you couldn't. You, you you don't live up to Jesus's standards either, or the spirit standards, because you know why? They're all per- perfect. <laughs> so I don't know why you thought you could live up to the son's pers- uh, standards, but not the father's. Like I said, interesting, interesting take. Um, or, you know, make him happy. But Jesus was so loving and so kind and he was see this is kind of the gnostic view of god where you know uh, jesus is good uh but the father he's wrathful no they share in the same attributes um they share in the same attributes so this kind of splicing up of the triune god is not helpful not helpful at all playful like, I would have these inside jokes with him. Anytime I was lonely, he was there. And he- See, this is the this is the mistake of the Jesus is my boyfriend theology where, you know, it, it's just it's just two buddies hanging out. Now, right, we need to affirm the friend, friendship of God, the friendship of Jesus, the friendship of the father, but also the reverence of the son that he's not just my, my homeboy. Jesus ain't your homeboy. He ain't your boyfriend. You know, we just cracking, cracking jokes at Jesus and just, just being irreverent. Like I said, this is the, the, the mistake I think I, I believe of the, um, yeah, Jesus is my, is my best, my, my, my buddy, my, my, my homie. 
and the Jesus is my boyfriend theology. All right, Jesus was so loving. <laughs> the Jesus of the Bible. You wash white, you whitewash tombs. Yeah, Jesus said a lot of things that she probably doesn't consider loving. Now, I would argue he still is loving, but he also is wrathful. I mean, read the book of Revelation. Remember, he's going to come back on a pillar of cloud, eyes like flaming fire, pure white holiness. Um, you, you know, a, 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 you know, just a rod of, rod of iron, right? Treading upon the nations. Is that the Jesus many people have in their image? Probably not. We have the lamb Jesus, right? Oh, he he wouldn't hurt anybody. Not my Jesus. Well, yeah, that's the problem. You have a Jesus that is not uh, fully biblical. You know, you have a reductionistic Jesus, a Jesus that you preferred. But that's not biblical. Time I was in so much pain he would comfort me. Going through all of the childhood abuse that I went through and dealing with all the chaos of my family, Jesus is absolutely what got me through. And so getting to a point where I couldn't feel him anymore and I just couldn't believe in him anymore. But notice why. She stopped believing in Jesus because for the first time, it seemed, she really read the Bible and was like, I can't believe this stuff. See, this is why you need to read the Bible exegetically, verse by verse, uh, be under expositional preaching. Because one of the things when I was in um, very topical preaching, and I do think topical preaching has its place, so I'm not condemning every topical preaching. But I think it should be exegetical as well. But one of the things I was, I fell into the trap when I was under topical preaching is I didn't know the Bible. I only knew my favorite text, right? I knew John 316. I didn't know John 318, right? Or I knew, uh, you know, those popular verses, you know, the, the devotional verses as you know. But I didn't know the context around it, which actually strengthens that verse to make it even more important and essential. A lot of people fall into that trap to where they don't have a full or biblical Jesus. That was well, Paul said, you know, that, we, that he preached the full counsel of God. You can't preach the full God, counsel of God if you don't even know it. <laughs> um, and so. Yeah, I think one of the things that happened here was she finally started reading the Bible and was like, I don't like that so painful. I could pretend and I could still call myself a Christian and just try to believe, but there was so much fear. Fear was used to control so much, to control me, to control people around me. I was taught to use fear to control others. I just decided well, let me address that because obviously there's nothing I can do to make you stay in the faith or come into the faith for that matter. So I don't have any control over over you or anyone in my life from that matter. 
But there is this thing, I believe that um, that we, because sh- there's it's a half truth for what she's saying. Obviously, there's no control, but this issue of shame, you should feel shameful when you abandon uh, the faith. There should be shame and apostasy. There should be that shame that happens, right? When you uh, displease the ones you love, right? Now, that's only in when it comes to the truth, right? But yeah, and, and fear, fear is a healthy tool. <laughs> you know, you put your seatbelt on because you fear flying out of your window. You know, you do a lot of things out of fear that are good. And so just saying it caused fear doesn't mean something is bad. I mean, so. Somewhere along the way of my deconstruction that I was not going to force myself to believe anything out of fear. To this day, I still really love this Bible verse that says, there is no fear in love. So, so I reject all the Bible's teaching, but 1 John 4, 8 is kind of her, her uh, devotional life principle. Um, why accept that? Why accept 1 John 4, 18 when you don't accept the God of love of 1 John 14? That's just a very interesting thought. I would just tell myself, if God is love and there is no fear in love, then God wouldn't want you to force yourself to believe something. Yeah, uh, Lindsay's right. I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. That's absolutely right. <laughs> uh, no, you need to repent. That is a command from God. That's not an option, not a, well, when you feel like it or, you, you know, I I don't want you to do it out of... No, you need... It's a command. God has given you a command as the king to repent. There's no option in that. It's like it's not like... Oh, well, the option is repent or perish, so I guess there's the option B. Well, if you don't like it, you know, that whole thing you don't like about hell, yeah, that's what happens. But, yeah. Out of fear. And so, ironically... Or... And, well, look, hold on. The fear, I just thought, the Bible does tells us to fear God. So, you, what do you do with that? <laughs> Very interesting. Paradoxically, it was a Bible verse that led me out of Christianity. Uh, let's be real. You were gone long before you read that Bible verse. Uh, back when... And I don't believe she was ever a Christian, so she didn't lose her salvation. She never was one. But even from her own testimony, she she was adopting things that were unchristian long before she read 1 John 4.18 and thought about this philosophical view of love and fear. And then was like, oh, yeah, well, I guess God's telling me to leave the faith, which is absurd. And I'm really grateful for that verse and that idea that there is no fear in love because I'm still really full of fear. There's so much that I need to keep unlearning. Yeah, I I think she's right. And I will grant her that. I will grant her that. You know why? Because it takes hard work to be an apostate. It's hard work to deny the things that you once claimed you loved and experienced. It takes hard work. To become an apostate. 
to go from professing to love God to now saying, I hate him. It takes hard work to do those things. And and like I said, um, they're, they're the most religious people I know are those who claim to be Christians at one point and now abandon the faith because they have to work very hard in these things to say they want nothing to do with Christianity, yet they spend all their time talking about Christianity. Don't you think that's weird? <laughs> Can you imagine? I say, I want nothing to do with ketchup, but it's on every item I eat. It sounds a little weird, but in all her videos, like I went on her channel, by the way, X uh, Fundy's Diaries, I believe, all her channels about Christianity. Like I said, I most apostates are like this. You know, I hate God, but I'll spend every day talking about him. I'll make money off him. I'll monetize my channel, make money off God. But interesting, right? And deprogramming from my upbringing and all of the messages that were constantly drilled into me. Over the last couple of years, I've been listening to and reading a lot of stories of stories, i.e. other apostates just like me. So they can confirm all my confirmation bias to help me feel better about rejecting the truth, rejecting the faith. People who have gone through similar exits from evangelical Christianity, whether it's a shift to a different spiritual expression or ending up like me without faith. And listening to and hearing those stories has been so healing. One of the podcasts that has meant so much to me is Exvangelical by Blake Chastain. Recently, I've been listening to White Homework by Tori Williams Douglas. She and her sister both grew up um, in evangelical Christianity and were also homeschooled. Um, I've also read You Are Your Own by Jamie Lee Finch, and that was super affirming to me. And so, super affirming. I've been listening to these stories and I've wanted to join the conversation, but I just didn't feel ready until now. I think the emotions were just so raw. I, I was so full of anger that I didn't feel like I could really articulate what I wanted to say. I'm grateful that I'm ready to start sharing now. Thank you for watching. So she says she's ready to enter the fray to have these conversations, right? Well, I would hope she would like to have a conversation with me then. Uh, or, or do you just want to have monologues, right? People who only agree with you and right are in your safe space of thinking. Because if not, the All Things Theology podcast would love to invite you on. This is a family-friendly environment, right? We're friendly to our guests, even those who believe completely opposite of us, right? I'm, I'm talking like I have a producer or team that helps me, right? But, you know, she could think that, right? <laughs> right? We, we're a family-friendly environment in the chat. We're, we're, you know, gracious and praying for you even. Um, and so um, if you would like to have a conversation with me on this podcast, hey, all you have to do is let me know and 
we can make that uh, possible. Like I said, I'll listen to your story and you can have questions for me and questions for you and we can have a great time. You know, and so, you know, I, I, I would love that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, part of the team. Adrian is part of the team. Yeah, yeah. I do have some team members. I have some team members. I was recently on a podcast and, you know, they had a producer helping them out and team helping them out, like, with the show. And I'm just like, I literally just start my show with a button, like, <laughs> you know, it's all me from that standpoint. But although there are people who help, right, and other, you know, send me videos and ask me to do stuff. So th there is a team that helps, but. I was like, man, I'm so out of my league when it comes to having people help for production. But maybe one day, the all things theology might step their game up, you know? And then we'll get a little rowdy chant. You know, we get a little rowdy chant in the building. And you know who I'm going to give all the praise to? God did. God did it. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Uh, I am. Next week. Next week, I'm going to go live. I feel like I didn't go live until this week. I didn't go live for like two weeks. Uh, it's quite busy. Matter of fact, I'm going to be busy like in the next month. I got some things in my personal life I'm uh, taking care of and doing, transitioning. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be responding to an Alexander Pagini. Alexander Pagini sermon. It's quite interesting things that are said. Um, you know, I just knew he was very charismatic in his theology, but I didn't know he believed some of, some of these things. And so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I can't forget about Dear Will Christian. Can't forget about Dear Will Christian. So, absolutely. You know, I, I I take that back. I have a team. I, I have a team. You're transitioning. Not in that way. See, you see? You see what 2022 has done to us? <laughs> you see? <sighs> Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Who needs a production team when he has production taste and live music experience? See, I give you guys what you want. I give you guys what you want. I'm not like those. And I know that some will label me a Pharisee. I'm not like those Pharisees. The only heresy is saying that this heresy. I give you the the top notch production live. See, you see, and if you don't like it, me. if I make you feel some type of way, if you don't like it, you can do that, right? So I give you the theology. I give you the nice live production music, right? Where where else do you get this? <laughs> no, by the way, there are a lot of good channels. Make sure you follow Dear World Christian, one of them. So, but yeah, I will be uh, transitioning, not in the 2020, what, 2022 way, back in the old 2000 way, right? <laughs> Doing things in my personal life that I got to take care of. And so, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to step up the team and step up the production always trying to get better from this standpoint of visuals and 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 sound and things like that um yeah i would love to talk to her with her yeah he was teaching a woman how to prophesy yeah alexander pagini um yes uh that's going to be an interesting show 
like I said, uh, I, have, I have a work week, so I won't be able to do it until next week. I'm, I'm thinking Wednesday. I'm shooting for Wednesday. And so Wednesday, we're going to try to do respond to that. Like I said, I already have the, uh, the video planned. And, man, it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a good, sh- good show. Like I said, I appreciate everybody watching. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Don't deconstruct. Don't deconstruct, right? That's why I always tell you guys, hey, don't take my word for it. Think about it. Think about it. Right? Don't have your faith dependent upon another. I, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking about all the old teachers I used to listen to. and This is the danger of actually being a young believer and actually why you should um, grow in the faith. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I remember being very young in the faith, maturity-wise and years-wise. And I had no confidence to defend anything of the Bible. I just regurgitated everything I heard. And and okay, right, when you're young in the faith, that's going to happen. Right? Think of it on a physical playing field, right? Um, That happens. But you don't need to stay in that state for a long period of time. It's not healthy. Right? In the physical, it's called, I'm not trying to be offensive, but retardation, right? It's you're handicapped. You don't want to be spiritually in that state. Grow in the faith, mature, deepen your level of understanding. That's why I try to, as best as I can, as much as I know, take us to deeper things, things that are challenges. Maybe make you feel uncomfortable at times. Maybe, maybe you unsubscribed it once from my channel because you didn't like or agree with everything I'm saying. Hey, that's fine. That's why you have to study, right? Study to show yourself approved, um, and grow. I'm reminded of the verse in Philippians. Let me uh let me uh let me give you a Bible verse to support what I'm saying. Cuz this is actually man, years ago when I was coming out of bad doctrine, this is like my life verse, man. I I, I really clung to this verse. Um matter of fact, let's see. Yeah, Philippians uh chapter 1 verse 9. It says, "And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. But notice what this love is connected with. Or connected to, yeah. With knowledge and all discernment. Wow. So our love of God is actually abounded more and more with knowledge and discernment. So don't let those people tell you that love isn't connected to your theology and, and what you know. It is. It is. It expressed in that way. And so that is my life verse I I. I hold clean fast to growing and hopefully that knowledge and growth and knowledge and discernment actually is communicated in the way I love people. And so, like I said, like this video, subscribe if you're not subscribed. Till the next time, you guys know how we do it here at All Things Theology, man. Grace and peace. Grace and peace, y'all. Hey, grace and peace, y'all. Till the next time. Grace and peace.